Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Why don't you turn and greet somebody? Tell them you look amazing today. Now, don't lie. Don't be lying here. Tell them you look amazing today. Amen. Praise God. Aren't you thankful to be in the house of the Lord, in the presence of the Lord today? Amen. Praise God. I appreciate the spirit of prayer that has been here the last week and a half or so. What a great spirit of prayer Wednesday night. Thank you for coming and availing yourselves. Appreciated the spirit of prayer that was present this morning in the prayer room. Amen. The scripture is clear. He said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Amen. And we know that's not necessarily this physical building, but if we're known for anything, we better be known for being a place of prayer. Amen. And I'm thankful and appreciate you giving yourselves to prayer and waiting on the Lord today. Uh, I know many of you gave yourselves, your families. We were hearing some, I don't know if I should call them entertaining stories. I was laughing. I was laughing at some of you. I'm just telling on myself right now. I'm not going to tell you who it was, but I was laughing at some of you when I was hearing some stories about uh, about some of our uh, fasting last week as we spent the week in fasting, prayer, waiting on the Lord. And uh, so sometimes it's just fun celebrating after the fast, isn't it? <laughs> but I know the Lord ministered to us and so it's important. Continue to set aside time for prayer. That should be a daily thing. We must be in prayer and fellowship with him every day. But also setting aside time, I think, is important regularly for fasting, pushing away the plate, denying our flesh, amen, to be more sensitive to the Spirit of God. Amen? Praise God. I'm asking Elder Flowers to come. Appreciate this young man very much. I know the Lord's going to use him this morning. Open your spirit. Amen. Amen. There is an obvious flow of the Spirit here today. It's my goal to find it, get in it, and stay in it. And I'm going to ask for your patience today because I feel the Lord is still piecing together some of this message that I feel like He wants to deliver. I've got a few scriptures, but uh, first I'm going to make a statement. And you might say, I know that. You might say, no, that's not true. And you might say, I've never thought of that before. <laughs> but hopefully by the end, we'll know that this is true. And this, uh, I would have to say that this thought and this thought process uh, comes out of, out of my church life. Uh, 33 plus years of church life, I'll call it, as a child, uh, adolescent, teen, young adult, and now adult in the church, hearing, reading, seeing, witnessing, um, observing, and, and all of these things that I've heard, um, this statement, I don't think I've ever 
thought before. And I really think it probably even contradicts some of the thinking that I used to have. The statement is, mercy does not exist because of sin. Mercy exists because God is merciful. I'll say it one more time. Mercy does not exist because of sin. Mercy exists because God is merciful. My thought in my church life has been that sin and mercy have to be conjoined in some regard. And because I've sinned, i got to have mercy. And that much is true. But it's not like sin surprised God and he had to come up with uh, an answer for that. Okay? Nothing surprises God. But he had to delve into his character to address sin. And he did it in the form of mercy. I'm going to start at John 3.13. Because I started here, I mentioned this a while back, and I feel like everything kind of revolves around this right now. Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ, he spans time and space. Everything about him spans time and space. He's not limited to time. He's not limited to space. And this passage that he speaks to Nicodemus, uh, I believe, clearly exemplifies that. He tells Nicodemus, no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And I'm going to say that again. One more time for emphasis, as they say in band. No man hath ascended to heaven. That's, that's speaking of something that's already happened in the past tense. God's not limited to tense. I just said he, he, he spans time and space. But in, to try to speak to Nicodemus in terms that Nicodemus could understand, he uses time. No man has gone to heaven. And he's really saying no, none of these guys on earth right now. You, your brother, your cousin, your father, your sister, your mother. No man has gone up to heaven. Except... He that came down from heaven. No man's gone up there except the one that came down. Even the son of man. And we know that Jesus, when he says the son of man, he's speaking of himself. No man's gone up there except the one that's come down. Even me. And me. Who is in heaven. I am everywhere. That's, that's the simplified version of that statement. Nicodemus, I'm everywhere. No man is everywhere, but I'm everywhere. One passage says, all things are passed away, old things are passed away, and all things have become new. The very next verse says, all things are of God. All things are of 
God. So as I think about the element of mercy, it's an element of God. It exists because God exists. It exists in more than just a, a time span or uh, an element of, of space. Mercy, because God is merciful, mercy spans time and mercy spans space. I want to walk through this quickly. Psalms chapter 23. Because this is where my church life uh, began with this idea or this thought process. Psalms chapter 23. And, and I'll just go through it quickly. This Psalms 23 is David's account of how God is everywhere. In all, in, in all facets. And it's quickly, before we go through this, you'll see when, we, when he says it, the Lord is ahead of me, the Lord is with me, and the Lord is behind me. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He maketh me with physical force. That's, that's how I view that. He makes me. I mean, he, he might not be like, Mm, I'm going to exercise some strength here. But he does something that causes me to lay down. And then it says, he leadeth me beside still waters. And if you get the picture of a shepherd, a shepherd does not lead from behind the herd. He doesn't say, okay, everybody, up, 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 left, left. Okay, stop, right, back a little bit. No, he leads from in front. So he's saying, he leadeth me. He knows where the still waters are, and he takes me there. Verse 3. He restoreth my soul, and again he leadeth me. He, he double emphasizes the fact that the Lord is ahead of him, leading him. In paths of righteousness, for his name's sake. Verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Not because you went in front of me, and not because you're coming back behind me, but because you are with me. Thy rod and thy staff comfort me. Verse 5, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Present tense, again, thou, you are preparing a table. You are anointing my head with oil. And verse 6 is where I would say in my old line of thinking, it, things got confusing or hairy or dicey. It doesn't make sense because he's talking about the Lord does this. He leads me. He's with me. And then he says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. And I'll give you the, the visual of what that has always looked like to me. I don't have any pets, thank the Lord. But I grew up with uh, dogs from about the time of age four or five up through 18. Had a dog. Not the same dog. But what I would think is if that dog goes outside right now and it's rainy and muddy and then comes in, we let it run around inside here. Or especially like a kitchen, a tile floor, somewhere where they're going to track mud and water, then I picture the Lord's mercy going behind 
And, and in my mind, that was surely goodness and mercy following me because I thought mercy had to be attached to sin. And so I thought everywhere I left a little muddy spot of sin, a little bit of dirt, hit, oh, it's okay because his goodness and his mercy is just going to follow behind me and clean it up. That's not the truth. That's not what this scripture is saying. That be, because like I said at the beginning, mercy doesn't exist because of sin. But if you're not thinking correctly about that, you just think, oh, it's okay. I'll get a little mud over here. I'll do a little dirt over here. I'll just kind of spread some germs over here through a sinful lifestyle. And the Lord will come back and and clean it up. And his goodness and his mercy that covers my sin will just go cover my sin. What, What does it mean? For his goodness and for his mercy to follow me. Well, just quickly, the basic definition of that word goodness is good things. Good things according to God. Or I would say what God calls good. That's going to follow me. It's the same as when it, it, we've been reading through Genesis. In Genesis 1, when God creates something, he saw it and he said it was good. That is the goodness that will follow me. Surely goodness. The things that God calls good. Now, let me stop here because this is not just an element of God that's the caboose. Okay, like bringing up the, 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 the rear end. That's a, this is not it. What, Elder Hart was actually alluding to this. I don't know if anybody caught it. But when he talked about the Egyptians pursuing the children of Israel, this goodness and this mercy pursues in the same manner. It, it follows after in pursuit, not follows after with a broom. Okay, not follows after with a mop and a bucket. That's that's not the kind of following. It's a pursuit. It's pursuing me. His goodness, the things which he calls good are following me. David says all the days of my life. And he also says his mercy. Will follow me. And. I like this because the main definition of mercy is goodness. So really, he's saying his goodness and his goodness follows me. One of those is the things which he calls good. He's established, he set good things in my life. And then the other one is his goodness, that mercy, that element of his nature. Not just follows me with a mop in a bucket, it pursues me. Again, we don't just need mercy to cover our sins. What we really need mercy for is to be spared. That's what his mercy does. It spares us. Lamentations 3 puts it this way. Lamentations 3.22. 
His mercy spares us. It says it is of or by the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. I read that and I thought, really, I didn't have to be here today. I, actually, I don't deserve to be here today. It's of his mercy that I am here today. And that, that, that goes way beyond just him covering my sins. Okay? This is, this is the, kind of the fallacy of that thinking that mercy is just for sins. Because I think, well, I'm still here. And he's just cleaned up all my mess. And I relegate his mercy to cleaning up my mess. But it, the scripture says it's of his mercy that I am not consumed. What that really means is not that he's following me with a broom and all of a sudden he's going to be tired of doing this and he's just going to stop cleaning and then my sin is just not going to get covered. No, that means because he's everywhere all the time, he could have just decided from the beginning, nope, not you. Not you. I'm stopping this one. Oh, the Lord wouldn't do that. How many people did he spare in the flood? Eight. How many people did he consume in the flood? Everybody else. It's of his mercy that I'm not everybody else. It's of his mercy that I made it this far. Because his compassions fail not. Verse 23. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Look at Genesis chapter 39 verse 19. Genesis 39 19. This is the story of Joseph. And most of you know at least a little bit about the life of Joseph. From a child, he was um, special, to use a 2018 term. 2019. Oh, oh. <laughs> happy new year, everybody. <laughs> he was special from a child. And he was set apart from his brothers. They didn't like that. They threw him in a pit, sold him into slavery. He gets into uh, slavery, makes it all the way into Egypt. Uh, you know the story. When he's in Egypt, uh, he, he makes his way into the palace. He gets put in second of command, second in command. And then he finds his way back. This, this is where we're picking up with the story of Joseph. And it came to pass when his master heard the words of his wife, which she spake unto him, saying, After this manner did thy servant to me that his wrath was kindled. So the master, Joseph's master's wrath was kindled because of the account that his wife gave about Joseph. Verse 20, And Joseph's master took him, and put him into the prison. While we're talking about 2019. We know that Joseph did those things, right? Those things he was accused of. No. No. He didn't. But he was accused of it. 
So, so he only needs the Lord's mercy because he actually did it, right? No. He still went to the prison, right? Does he still need the Lord's mercy in prison? You better believe it. Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in prison. Verse 21, But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy. Because, oh yeah, you really did those things that you were accused of, and I'm just going to, because my mercy is for sin, I'm going to cover your sin. No! There is no sin element here. But there is mercy. Because God is merciful. The Lord showed Joseph mercy. Gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. See, that mercy and that favor, they're pretty pretty closely connected. And a lot of times we, we, we know that we, we call grace unmerited favor. And we just kind of are satisfied to say mercy and grace are... Okay, if sin and mercy aren't connected at the hip, well, then grace and mercy are connected at the hip. And it really doesn't matter because I still got them both and, and I'll just be thankful for it. I don't want that kind of walk with God. I don't want that kind of misunderstanding of the scripture. I want to know what his mercy does for me. I want to know what his grace does for me. So again, the Lord was with Joseph, showed him mercy, gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Verse 22, and the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison. Now, Joseph was second in command in the palace. Side note, by God's mercy. Now he finds himself in the prison, and again, by God's mercy, he finds himself second in command in the prison. Because God is with him, his mercy is with him, and his favor is with him. And whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. Verse 23, the keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand, because the Lord was with him, and that which he did, the Lord made it. To prosper through the Lord's mercy. You see that? There's no sin element here. Go back to Genesis chapter 19. I'm going to show you another story. Genesis chapter 19, verse 15. And I'm not going to take the time. If you read through uh, chapter 18, it's the account of Abraham talking to God about the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And God comes to Abraham and says, I'm ready to wipe out these cities. Hang on. No, no, time out. You're merciful. <laughs> it's, it, no, it doesn't work that way. Hang on. Before we go there, I'll, I'm going to take you here. Look at Exodus chapter 34. This might help us when we get back to the story of Lot. So Exodus chapter 34, Moses in the mountain. We'll start at verse 1 here. The Lord said unto Moses, Hew thee two tables of stone like unto the first, and I will write upon these tables the words which were in the first tables, which thou breakest. Verse 2. And be ready in the morning, and come up in the morning unto Mount Sinai, and present thyself there to me in the top of the mount. Verse 3. 
And no man shall come up with thee, neither let any man be seen throughout all the mount, neither let the flocks nor the herds feed before that mount. Verse 4, And he hewed two tables of stone like unto the first, and Moses rose up early in the morning and went up unto Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him, and took in his hand the two tables of stone. I really find this interesting because if if you rewind this story, you know that the first time, the Lord met Mo- Moses on the mountain, wrote down the law. Moses came down from the mountain, saw the children of Israel giving themselves to sin, threw down those tablets, broke, broke them in anger. So this is kind of the repeat of that. You catch that? Verse 5, And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. Verse 6, And the Lord passed by before him, And proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious. He's he's giving himself an introduction to Moses. Because he gave Moses instructions. Follow these instructions and I'll meet you here tomorrow morning. Set Set your watch. Okay? So Moses does that. He meets him up there. And this is how God introduces himself to Moses. The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious. Two adjectives that the Lord assigns to himself right after he proclaims his name to Moses. I'm going to tell you some stuff about me. Two of the most important things I want you to know is that I'm merciful and that I'm gracious. This is just me. Long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth. Verse 7. Okay, if that's the Lord and he's merciful and gracious and long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, watch what he says. Keeping mercy for thousands. <laughs> Hang on, time out, time out. There's more than a thousand people on the earth. Keeping mercy for thousands. He doesn't say keeping mercy for everybody. No, we might not like that. Because it might not fit the mold of who we think God is. Oh, God's merciful, so he's just going to show mercy to everybody. Keep reading. Forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty. Hang on. Wait. Did you catch that? He forgives iniquity. He forgives sin. And that will by no means clear the guilty. So what does this do? That's my question. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and fourth generation. This is God who just introduced himself as merciful and gracious. Long-suffering. I am God. I am merciful. I am gracious. I am long-suffering. And I visit the iniquity of of the fathers on the children. To the third and fourth generation. Because I'm God. Now, look at Genesis chapter 19. See, we we want to think that God just will save everybody no matter what. Because we, we, we like fairy tales. Sorry if that's a little harsh but it's, it's, it's what the Bible says. 
again in 2019, if you profess anything, especially a God who does not just save everybody and love everybody, you got a problem on your hands. Because we, in this day and age, feel like everybody should be entitled to the same everything. That's the spirit of our age. Oh, you made that available for him? You got to make it available for me. Sorry, I know this is not fun to talk about, but this is the scripture. This is God explaining himself. I am merciful. I am gracious. I am long-suffering. But if you don't get the iniquity taken care of, it gets dealt with. Lot's story. When the morning arose, okay, so back in chapter 18 here was Abraham talking to God about, will you spare the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah if there's 50 righteous people in that city? Catch that. Because God just came to Abraham and said, I'm going to kill everybody, all of them. I'm going to wipe out these cities because I'm God. And I do what I do. Abraham reminds him, yeah, but you are also gracious. You are also merciful. You are also long-suffering. And if there are righteous people in that city, they deserve your grace. They deserve your mercy. They deserve your long-suffering. Oh, yeah, that is me. That, that is who I am. If there are 50 righteous people, I will spare it. Okay, and then we know he whittles it down. Okay, what about there's 40? What about if there's 20? Because you are God, you're merciful, you're gracious. And God tells him, yes. So we do see the account of one righteous man here. This is the story of Lot. This is where we pick up reading in the, in the story because we know that the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah did get destroyed Later in the, in the scripture, it says God delivered just Lot. Verse 15, and when the morning arose, then the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters, which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. Now, just before this passage, there were, there were two son-in-laws in the picture. Don't wanna, I don't want to skim over that too quickly. Because we just think, well, God's God and he should love everybody and save everybody. They got a chance. Because Lot went to those son-in-laws and said, these angels, these messengers of God that he sent here to deliver us, just gave us a word. They gave us an, an instruction, direction. You know what that is? That's an example of God's mercy. And what did they do? They scoffed at him. So now the angel said, take, just take the two daughters and your wife. The son-in-laws that scoffed, they're getting, they're getting left behind. Lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. Verse 16 and while he lingered, 
the men laid hold upon his hand and upon the hand of his wife and upon the hand of his two daughters. The Lord, being merciful unto him. And they brought him forth and set him without the city. This is a physical action that is an example of the Lord being merciful to Lot, his wife, his two daughters. The men, those men are the angels, the messengers, took them by the hand, led them out of the city. It says, the Lord being merciful. That's how this happened. That's why this happened. Because the Lord is merciful. Set them without the city. Verse 17. And it came to pass when they had brought them forth abroad that he said, Hey, okay, hang on. Time out. I just got to make this. I got to drill this one home real fast. Where was the sin element in Lot? His daughters, his wife. They, they were the just ones, remember? So this was not a come save Lot and his family from their sin. This was come deliver them out of the city that is given to sin. This is not, oh, Lot, I know you're terrible and you live in this awful city, but I forgive you. Come on. No. This is, that, that's not the application of the Lord's mercy here. The Lord's mercy here is sparing Lot. It came to pass when they had brought them forth abroad that he said, Escape for thy life. Look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain. Escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. Verse 18. And Lot said unto them, O not so, my Lord. Verse 19. Behold now, thy servant hath found grace in thy sight, and thou hast magnified thy mercy. Lot recognizes the mercy. Lot recognizes the grace that God just sent to him. Which thou hast showed me, showed unto me in saving my life. The mercy that you just showed me didn't save me from my sin. The mercy that you just showed me spared my life. Look at Hebrews chapter 4. We're jumping now from the Old Testament to the New Testament for this passage. Because also, as Elder Hart was mentioning, types and shadows, they are important. I'm going to make the point again. Mercy does not exist because of sin. We have to get past that mindset. Because if we don't, we think of this as the mercy room. I'm just, I'm, I do. I, I won't say we. I do. I think of this as the mercy room. 
and I bring my sin in here, and I try to throw it up in the air and let it disappear in the mercy. Because I think mercy is for sin. Hebrews 4, we'll start reading at verse 14 here. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold, hold fast our profession. Verse 15. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Verse 16, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. This scripture really is a prophecy of the time of need. Because the scripture says he knows our frame. He remembers we are but dust. And since I am only dust, he knows that I have infirmities. That's weaknesses. Okay? Infirmity, not just uh, not a sickness, not limited to only sickness. Infirmity is anything that's a shortcoming in my flesh. That's an infirmity. It says he was touched with the feelings of our infirmities. So my infirmities, my weaknesses that are in my flesh touched him. He was touched with the feelings of our infirmities. So I can't separate myself and my weakness and in my flesh from who he is and what he's done for me. We talked about the blood. Elder Hart, I told you he was in the flow. We, that, that's what the high priest did for me. But it's important because if he wasn't the high priest, if he didn't become the high priest, then that blood wouldn't apply. Not for me, not in 2019. But because he became our high priest... And because he was touched with the feelings of our infirmities. We can obtain mercy. And grace, find grace to help in the time of need. Where is sin in that passage? I, 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 I'm just telling you if, you, if you've been around church as long as I have, if you've heard enough messages as I have, then you know sin's got to be somewhere in every message because we're humans and we sin. Sin's got to be somewhere because I'm a sinner. <laughs> and, and, and even if it's not there, 
my mind and my thinking is, okay, well, there's grace there and there's mercy there, so there must be sin there kind of just inherently. Or that's what we call an inference. I'm putting the sin in that passage because I think I need to find his grace and his mercy to help for my sin. But it says it's because of our infirmities. Our infirmities are not our sins. We have to be able to draw a distinction, okay? Our infirmities are not our sins. My infirmity is just what keeps me from being like he was. What keeps me from being perfect like he was. Because it says he was touched with the feelings of our infirmities, yet without sin. I'm touched with all these feelings of infirmities with sin. (laughs) Right? But he was touched with these feelings without sin. And he, as the high priest, when he became the sacrifice for my sin, now all that's gone. I guarantee you, back in, 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 in the Bible days when they had to bring sacrifices and take it to the high priest of that time, the high priest had to, had to kill, slaughter that animal, perform the ceremony. They didn't go back home thinking, oh, I sure hope that high priest knew what he was doing. And uh, I, I sure hope that that lamb that I brought was good enough. And uh, I, 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 you know, I hope he didn't miss a step. They went home with their sins blotted out, rolled away. Okay, that's how the that's how the Lord set this up to work. I'm convinced the problem is. We're more comfortable identifying ourselves as a sinner. Because as David said, behold, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. That's Old Testament, by the way. And what he's doing is simply acknowledging the fact that In my flesh, as a human, I have sin. He did not finish that prayer still identifying himself as a sinner. Remember, he says, cleanse me. He says, blot out my transgressions. (laughs) And then he says, I will teach sinners your ways. I, I can't go out there and try to teach sinners his way if I just say, oh, we're all pitiful. We're all awful. We're, we're yeah, yeah, no, we're, 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 we're wretched people. We're just a bunch of sinners, and uh, hopefully his mercy is good enough for us. We're just, it's, it's Psalms uh, 53, I believe, 52 maybe. Read that when you get a chance, because you'll see David did not end. He started with repentance. He started with acknowledging my sin. 
Have mercy, O God, according to thy loving kindness. Does anybody want to be able to teach sinners his ways? I know that I do. I want to be able to go out to someone that hasn't experienced this, hasn't come to know this, hasn't had the blood applied to their life and received, and uh, as the scripture says, obtained his mercy. I want to be able to say, this is, as Paul says, the hope. Why don't you stand with me? Now, as I've been as I've been speaking and ministering this, I've also been having to acknowledge, as David did, that my ways were not right. My thinking was not right because my again my thinking was. The mercy is just for the, for the sin, to cover the sin. The good, the good news is, and this is New Testament, if we confess our faults, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. That's New Testament, and, and that is 2019. That's for us today. He will forgive us our sins. So we don't have to leave identifying ourselves as a sinner still. If I do, I've got unbelief in my heart somewhere. Because, yes, I confessed it. Yes, I asked for forgiveness. But I don't really know if I got it. I don't really know if I, if I received it. The problem there is not with the word. Jesus, Lord, we're praying right now, God, that the truth of your spirit would sweep through this room. Jesus, we're praying that the mercy and loving kindness would sweep through this room, Lord Jesus, that it would become evident over every heart, Lord Jesus. God, just as the blood was applied to the doorpost, let your blood be so applied to our lives. Jesus, so that we could obtain your mercy, so that we could find your grace. God, we pray that you remember our frame. We pray, Lord God, that you remember we are but dust, Jesus, and that I do have infirmities. God, but as Paul said, I will glory in my infirmities. God, I want to get to that place where I glory in my infirmity because I know it's your strength, God, that lives through me, that perfects me. Jesus, in your name, I pray, let there be a washing of your spirit right now. Let there be a washing and a cleansing of your spirit right now, Lord Jesus. Come on, why don't you reach out to the Lord right now? His mercy is here right now. God, I thank you for it. God, I thank you for it, for your mercy, Lord, for your compassion, for your grace, for your long-suffering. I'm thankful for it. I'm thankful for it, Lord Jesus. Come on, we're not rushing through this. The Lord's doing a work right now. Jesus, I open up my spirit to you. God, I open up my heart to you right now. I long to be washed, Lord, in your word. 
I long to be sanctified in your word, Jesus. Lord, in your name, I thank you for your mercy. Jesus, your mercy is here to deliver us. Lord, your mercy is here to spare us. God, I thank you for it. I claim it today and I apply it over my life, Lord Jesus. It is of your mercy that I have not been consumed. I'm thankful for it, Jesus. I'm thankful for it, Jesus. Hallelujah. Why don't you continue talking to the Lord? Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Continue to fellowship him right where you are. Jesus, in your name, we thank you for your mercies. We thank you today for your compassion that does not fail, for your loving kindness. We thank you today, Father. We thank you today for the opening of our understanding We thank you, Lord, for revelation and understanding that comes from you through your word, by your spirit, Father. Let us to receive what you are revealing today. In the name of Jesus, I pray. In the name of Jesus, I pray. In the name of Jesus, I pray. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. We receive of your mercy today. We receive of your compassion today. We receive it because it's of you, Father. We receive it of you as you give it this morning. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, teach us to receive of your mercy, Father. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We wait upon you and we receive of you, Father. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We receive of your mercies today. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Praise God. Amen. The Lord is trying to shift our thought process today. He's trying to help our understanding by the word of God so that we live in and receive of his mercy beyond the limits we place on it. Does that make sense? He's trying to change our concepts so that we don't put God in this box that tries to make him fit our need rather than seeing who he really is. He's revealing himself to us. Amen? It's interesting to me. If I, was, I wasn't playing on my phone over there. I, my thoughts were triggered as the Lord was ministering to us through Brother Flowers. I had, had to go back and look at some notes I had somewhere Back before, because I couldn't remember the numbers off the top of my head. But if you look in Scripture, like the word mercy, mercies, merciful, they appear almost 300 times in Scripture, a little over 300 times in Scripture, actually. 
just shy of 350 times in Scripture. Like almost 78% of the time, it's in the Old Testament. Almost 78% of the time, it's in the Old Testament. If you look at grace, and you start looking at the word grace and what grace does, we know that the Holy Ghost, when we receive of the Spirit of God, Right? When we receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God now dwells in us. Peter talked about that. He said we become partakers of His divine nature. You may have caught it, Brother Flowers mentioned it. The mercy, that's, He's merciful not because He has to be, that's His nature. Right? And so when we receive the Spirit of grace or the gift of the Holy Ghost, now in this New Testament age, this new covenant after Calvary, we have the spirit of grace in us. And so now grace enables us to do what we couldn't do on our own before. Mercy works before grace. Mercy gets us to where we could. That's why it's the goodness of God. It's his mercies were not consumed. It doesn't deliver us from sin. What does mercy do? If you look at it in scripture and you follow it, mercy takes us to Calvary. Mercy gets it. It's the goodness of God that got me to Calvary. It wasn't my great thinking. It wasn't that, well, you know, I just really figured it out and I knew I needed Calvary in my life. And so I found God. Here's a newsflash. None of us found him. We were all lost. He found us. He didn't lose us, by the way. He's always known right where we are. And so what was it that kept us from getting consumed? Mercy. And mercy, the goodness of God, what did it do? It led us to Calvary. The goodness of God following us. My spirit is encouraged this morning. The hand of God, the mercy of God, always working in our life. Because I was always failing? No, because he loved us so much. He had compassion on us. And so his mercy was always working to get us to him. And then when he filled us with his spirit, he gave us the spirit of grace. And now grace enables us to do what we couldn't do ourselves. And what do we do? We begin showing mercy. Oh, of my own accord? No, his divine nature's in me. And so now mercy becomes a part of my life. You ever been merciful? Did you cover somebody's sin? We know the answer to that, right? Not a one of us in this room can cover sin. But we can show the mercy of God. What does it do? It leads someone to him, the goodness of God. Amen. I want his mercy working and operating in my life. I want this revelation, this broader understanding given of the Holy Ghost of his mercy and what it is. I want it functioning and working through my life and my spirit to accomplish his will with me and you and through us. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. His mercy endureth forever. Amen. Aren't you thankful for that? Praise God. Let's thank the Lord together one more time. Father, we thank you today.
for your enduring mercy. I thank you for the revelation of your word. I thank you for understanding. Let it be stirred and quickened in our spirit according to your divine will and purpose today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I praise you today and give you all the glory and all the honor in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The Lord bless you. Greet someone today. Again, don't forget Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.